Chapter 60, Part 2 of A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 6. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 6, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 60, Louis XVI, Convocation of the States General, 1787-1789, to Part 2. Forty-seven great bailey courts, as a necessary intermediary between the parliaments and the inferior tribunals, were henceforth charged with all civil cases not involving sums of more than twenty thousand livres, as well as all criminal cases of the third order, or estate. The representations of the provincial assembly of Dauphiny severely criticized the impropriety of this measure. Quote, the ministers, they said, have not been afraid to flout the third estate, whose life, honour, and property no longer appear to be objects worthy of the sovereign courts, for which are reserved only the causes of the rich and the crimes of the privileged. The number of members of the Parliament of Paris was reduced to sixty-nine. The registration of edicts, the only real political power left in the hands of the magistrates, was transferred to a plenary court, an old title without stability and without tradition, composed, under the king's presidency, of the great functionaries of state, assisted by a small number of councillors. The absolute power was thus preparing a rampart against encroachments of authority on the part of the sovereign courts. It had fortified itself beforehand against the pretensions of the States-General, which cannot pretend to be anything but a more extended council on behalf of the sovereign, the latter still remaining supreme arbiter of their representations and their grievances. Certain useful ameliorations in the criminal legislation amongst others total abolition of torture, completed the sum of edicts. A decree of the council declared all the parliaments prorogued until the formation of the great bailey courts. The plenary court was to assemble forthwith at Versailles. It only sat once. In presence of the opposition, amongst the majority of the men summoned to compose it, the ministers, unforeseeing and fickle even with all their ability and their boldness, found themselves obliged to adjourn the sittings indefinitely all the members of the parliament of paris had bound themselves by a solemn oath not to take a place in any other assembly quote, in case of dispersal of the magistracy said the resolution entered upon the registers of the court the parliament places the present act as a deposit in the hands of the king of his august family of the peers of the realm of the states-general and of each of the orders united or separate representing the nation end quote. At sight of this limitation, less absolute and less cleverly calculated, of the attempts made by Chancellor Maupieux, after seventeen years' rapid marching towards a state of things so novel and unheard of, the commotion was great in Paris. The disturbance, however, did not reach to the masses, and the disorder in the streets was owing less to the Parisian populace than to mendicants, rascals of sinister mien, flocking in, none knew why, from the four points of the compass the provinces were more seriously disturbed all the sovereign courts rose up with one accord the parliament of rouen declared quote, traitors to the king to the nation to the province perjured and branded with infamy all officers and judges end quote, who should proceed in virtue of the ordinances of may eight quote, the authority of the king is unlimited for doing good to his subjects said one of the presidents but everybody should put limits to it when it turns towards oppression end quote. It was the very commandant of the royal troops whom the magistrates thus reproached with their passive obedience. Normandy confined herself to declarations and speeches. 
other provinces went beyond those bounds brittany claimed performance quote, of the marriage contract between louis the twelfth and the duchess anne end quote. notwithstanding the king's prohibition the parliament met at rennes a detachment of soldiers having been ordered to disperse the magistrates a band of gentlemen supported by an armed mob went to protect the deliberations of the court fifteen officers fought duels with fifteen gentlemen the court issued a decree of arrest against the holders of the king's commission the youth of nantes hurried to the aid of the youth of rennes the intermediary commission of the states ordered the bishops to have the prayers said which were customary in times of public calamity and a hundred and thirty gentlemen carried to the governor a declaration signed by the noblesse of almost the whole province Quote, we members of the noblesse of brittany do declare infamous those who may accept any place whether in the new administration of justice or in the administration of the states which is not recognized by the laws and constitutions of the province a dozen of them sent off for versailles to go and denounce the ministers to louis the sixteenth being put in the bastille eighteen of their friends went to demand them back they were followed by fifty others the officers of the bassigny regiment had taken sides with the opposition and discussed the orders sent to them among the great lords of the province attached to the king's own person messieurs de la tremeuil de rieux and de guichin left the court to join their protest to those of their friends the superintendent bertrand de molleville was hanged in effigy and had to fly in berne the peasantry had descended from the mountains hereditary proprietors of their little holdings they joined the noblesse to march out and meet the duke of guiche sent by the king to restore order already the commandant of the province had been obliged to authorize the meeting of the parliament the bernays bore in front of their ranks the cradle of henry the fourth carefully preserved in the castle of pau Quote, we are no rebels they said we claim our contract and fidelity to the oaths of a king whom we love the bernese is free-born he will not die a slave let the king have all from us in love and not by force our blood is his and our country's let none come to take our lives when we are defending our liberty legal in normandy violent in brittany tumultuous in berne the parliamentary protests took a politic and methodical form in dauphiny in insurrection amongst the populace of grenoble soon supported by the villagers from the mountains had at first flown to arms at the sound of the tocsin the members of the parliament on the point of leaving the city had been detained by force and their carriages had been smashed the troops offered little resistance an entry was effected into the house of the governor the duke of clermont tonnerre and with an axe above his head the insurgents threatened to hang him to the chandelier in his drawing-room if he did not convoke the parliament ragged ruffians ran to the magistrates and compelled them to meet in the sessions hall the members of parliament succeeded with great difficulty in pacifying the mob as soon as they found themselves free they hastened away into exile other hands had taken up their quarrel a certain number of members of the three orders met at the town hall and on their private authority convoked for the twenty first of july the special states of dauphigny suppressed a while before by cardinal richelieu the duke of clermont tonnerre had been superseded by old marshal vaux rough and ready he had at his disposal twenty thousand men scarcely had he arrived at grenoble when he wrote to versailles quote, 
it is too late he said the prerogatives of royal authority were maintained however the marshal granted a meeting of the states provincial but he required permission to be asked of him he forbade the assembly to be held at grenoble it was in the castle of Vizille, a former residence of the dauphin that the three orders of dauphiny met closely united together in wise and patriotic accord the archbishop of vienne lefranc de pompignan brother of the poet lately the inveterate foe of voltaire an ardently and seriously pious man led his clergy along the most liberal path the noblesse of the sword mingled with the noblesse of the robe voted blindly all the resolutions of the third estate these were suggested by the real head of the assembly m mounier judge royal of grenoble a friend of m necker's an enlightened loyal honourable man destined ere long to make his name known over the whole of france by his courageous resistance to the outbursts of the national assembly unanimously the three orders presented to the king their claims to the olden liberties of the province they loudly declared however that they were prepared for all sacrifices and aspired to nothing but the common rights of all frenchmen the double representation of the third in the estates of dauphigny was voted without contest as well as equal assessment of the impost intended to replace forced labour throughout the whole province the most perfect order had succeeded the first manifestations of popular irritation it was now more than a year since brienne had become chief minister m de ségur and de castries had retired refusing to serve under a man whom they did not esteem alone shut up in his closet the archbishop listened without emotion to the low murmur of legal protests the noisy tumult of insurrections Quote, i have foreseen all even civil war the king shall be obeyed the king knows how to make himself obeyed he kept repeating in the assured tones of an oracle resolved not to share the responsibility of the reverse he foresaw baron de breteuil sent in his resignation meanwhile the treasury was found to be empty brienne appealed to the clergy hoping to obtain from ecclesiastical wealth one of those gratuitous gifts which had often come in aid of the state's necessities the church herself was feeling the influence of the times without relaxing in her pretensions to the maintenance of privileges the ecclesiastical assembly thought itself bound to plead the cause of that magistracy which it had so often fought Quote, our silence said the remonstrances would be a crime of which the nation and posterity would never absolve us your majesty has just effected at the bed of justice of may eight a great movement as regards things and persons such ought to be a consequence rather than a preliminary of the state-general the will of a prince which has not been enlightened by his courts may be regarded as a momentary will your majesty has issued an edict carrying the restoration of the plenary court but that court has recalled an ancient reign without recalling ancient ideas even if it had been once the supreme tribunal of our kings it now presents no longer that numerous assemblage of prelates barons and lieges united together the nation sees nothing in it but a court tribunal whose complacence it would be afraid of and whose movements and intrigues it would dread in times of minority and regency our functions are sacred when from the height of the altars we pray heaven to send down blessings on kings and on their subjects they are still so when after teaching people their duties we represent their rights and make solicitations on behalf of the afflicted on behalf of the absent despoiled of their position and their liberty 
the clergy of france sir stretch forth to you their suppliant hands it is so beautiful to see might and puissance yielding to prayer the glory of your majesty is not in being king of france but in being king of the french and the heart of your subjects in the fairest of your domains the assembly of the clergy granted to the treasury only a poor gift of eighteen hundred thousand livres all the resources were exhausted disgraceful tricks had despoiled the hospitals and the poor credit was used up the payments of the state were backward the discount bank or caisse d'escompte was authorized to refuse to give coin to divert the public mind from this painful situation brienne proposed to the king to yield to the requests of the members of parliament of the clergy and of the noblesse themselves a decree of august eighth seventeen eighty eight announced that the states-general would be convoked may first seventeen eighty nine the re-establishment of the plenary court was suspended to that date concessions wrested from the weakness and the irresolution of governments do not strengthen their failing powers brienne had exhausted his boldness as well as his basenesses he succumbed beneath the outcry of public wrath and mistrust he offered the controller-generalship to m necker who refused he told louis the sixteenth mercy is the expression in brienne's own account that under a minister who like me had lost the favour of the public he could not do any good a court intrigue at last decided the minister's fall the count of artois egged on by madame de polignac made urgent entreaties to the queen she was attached to brienne she however resigned herself to giving him up but with so many favours and such an exhibition of kindness towards all his family that the public did not feel at all grateful to marie antoinette already brienne had exchanged the archbishopric of toulouse for that of sens a much richer one Quote, the queen offered me the hat and anything i might desire writes the prelate telling me that she parted from me with regret weeping at being obliged to do so and permitting me to kiss her or l'embrasser in token of her sorrow and her interest Quote, after having made the mistake of bringing him into the ministry says madame campan memoir page thirty three the queen unfortunately made an equally grave one in supporting him at the time of a disgrace brought upon him by the despair of the whole nation she considered it only consistent with her dignity to give him at his departure ostensible proofs of her esteem and her very sensibility misleading her she sent him her portrait adorned with precious stones and the patent of lady of the palace for his niece madame de courcy saying that it was necessary to indemnify a minister sacrificed by the trickery of courts and the factious spirit of the nation i have since seen the queen shed bitter tears over the errors she committed at this period on the twenty fifth of august seventeen eighty eight the king sent for m necker a burst of public joy greeted the fall of the detested minister and the return of the popular minister there were illuminations in the provinces as well as at paris at the bastille as well as the houses of members of parliament but joy intermingled with hate is a brutal and a dangerous one the crowd thronged every evening on the pont neuf forcing carriages as well as foot passengers to halt in front of henry the fourth's statue Quote, hurrah for henry the fourth to the devil with lamoignon and brienne howled the people requiring all passers to repeat the same cry it was remarked that the duke of orleans took pleasure in crossing over the pont neuf 
to come in for the cheers of the populace Quote, he was more crafty than ambitious more depraved than naturally wicked says m malouet resentment towards the court had hurried him into intrigue he wanted to become formidable to the queen his personal aim was vengeance rather than ambition that of his petty council was to effect an upheaval in order to set the prince at the head of affairs as lieutenant-general and share the profits the tumult in the streets went on increasing the keeper of the seals lamoignon had tried to remain in power m necker supported by the queen demanded his dismissal his departure like that of brienne had to be bought he was promised an embassy for his son he claimed a sum of four hundred thousand livres the treasury was exhausted and there was no finding more than half the greedy keeper of the seals was succeeded by barentin premier president of the court of aids two dummies one dressed in a simard or gown and the other in pontifical vestments were burned on the pont neuf the soldiers having been ordered to disperse the crowds some persons were wounded and others killed the mob had felt sure that they would not be fired upon whatever disorder they showed the wrath and indignation were great there were threats of setting fire to the houses of m de brienne and de la moignon the quarters of the commandant of the watch were surrounded the number of folks of no avocation of mendicants and of vagabonds was increasing every day in paris meanwhile the parliament had gained its point the great bailey courts were abolished the same difficulty had been found in constituting them as in forming a plenary court all the magistrates of the inferior tribunals refused to sit in them the breton deputies were let out of the bastille everywhere the sovereign courts were recalled the return of the exiles to paris was the occasion for a veritable triumph and the pretext for new disorders among the populace it was the parliament's first duty to see to the extraordinary police or haute police in its district it performed the duty badly and weakly the populace had applauded its return and had supported its cause during its exile the first resolution of the court was directed against the excesses committed by the military in repressing the disorders when it came to trying the men seized with arms in their hands and the incendiaries who had threatened private houses all had their cases dismissed by way of example one was detained a few days in prison having often been served in its enterprises by the passions of the mob the parliament had not foreseen the day when those same outbursts would sweep it away like chaff before the wind with all that regimen of tradition and respect to which it still clung even in its most audacious acts of daring for an instant the return of m necker to power had the effect of restoring some hope to the most far-sighted on his coming into office the treasury was empty there was no scraping together as much as five thousand livres the need was pressing the harvests were bad the credit and the able resources of the great financier sufficed for all the funds went up thirty per cent in one day certain capitalists made advances the chamber of the notaries of paris paid six millions into the treasury m necker lent two millions out of his private fortune economy had already found its way into the royal household louis the sixteenth had faithfully kept his promises despite the wrath of courtiers he had reduced his establishment the duke of coigny premier equerry had found his office abolished quote, we were truly grieved coigny and i said the king kindly 
but I believe he would have beaten me had I let him. Quote, it is fearful to live in a country where one is not sure of possessing to-morrow what one had the day before, said the great lords who were dispossessed. It's a sort of thing seen only in Turkey. End quote. Other sacrifices and more cruel lessons in the instability of human affairs were already in preparation for the French noblesse. The great financial talents of M. Necker, his probity, his courage, had caused illusions as to his political talents. Useful in his day and in his degree, the new minister was no longer equal to the task. The distresses of the treasury had powerfully contributed to bring about, to develop the political crisis. The public cry for the states-general had arisen in a great degree from the deficit, but henceforth financial resources did not suffice to conjure away the danger. The discount bank had resumed payment, the state honoured its engagements, the phantom of bankruptcy disappeared from before the frightened eyes of stockholders. Nevertheless, the agitation did not subside. Minds were full of higher and more tenacious concernments. Every gaze was turned towards the states-general. Scarcely was M. Necker in power when a royal proclamation sent to the Parliament returning to Paris announced the convocation of the Assembly for the month of January 1789. The states-general themselves had become a topic of the most lively discussion. Amid the embarrassment of his government, and in order to throw a sop to the activity of the opposition, Brienne had declared his doubts and his deficiency of enlightenment as to the form to be given to the deliberations of that ancient assembly, always convoked at the most critical junctures of the national history, and abandoned for one hundred and seventy-five years past. Quote, the researches ordered by the king, said a decree of the council, have not brought to light any positive information as to the number and quality of the electors and those eligible any more than as to the form of the elections. The king will always try to be as close as possible to the old usages, and when they are unknown, his majesty will not supply the hiatus till after consulting the wish of his subjects, in order that the most entire confidence may hedge a truly national assembly." Consequently, the king requests all the municipalities and all the tribunals to make researches in their archives. He likewise invites all scholars and well-informed persons, and especially those who are members of the Academy of Inscriptions and Literature, to study the question and give their opinion. In the wake of this appeal, a flood of tracts and pamphlets had inundated Paris and the provinces, some devoted to the defense of ancient usages, the most part intended to prove that the constitution of the olden monarchy of France contained in principle all the political liberties which were but asking permission to soar. Some, finally, bolder and the most applauded of all, like that of Count d'Entraigues, note on the states-general their rights and the manner of convoking them, and that of Avessier, what is the third estate? Count d'Entraigues' pamphlet began thus, quote, it was doubtless in order to give the most heroic virtues a home worthy of them that heaven willed the existence of republics, and perhaps to punish the ambition of men. It permitted great empires, kings, and masters to arise. Sieza's pamphlet had already sold to the extent of thirty thousand copies. The development of his ideas was an audacious commentary upon his modest title. Quote, what is the third estate? said that able revolutionist, quote, nothing. What ought it to be? Everything, end quote. 
it was hoisting the flag against the two upper orders Quote, the deputies of the clergy and of the noblesse have nothing in common with national representation he said and no alliance is possible between the three orders and the states-general it may be permissible to quote here a page or so from the second volume of this history quote, at the moment when france was electing the constituent assembly a man whose mind was more powerful than accurate abbe Sies, could say what is the third estate everything what has it been hitherto in the body public nothing what does it demand to be something there were in these words three grave errors in the course of the regimen anterior to seventeen eighty nine so far was the third estate from being nothing that it had every day become greater and stronger what was demanded for it in seventeen eighty nine by m siez and his friends was not that it should become something but that it should be everything it was to desire what was beyond its right and its might the revolution which was its victory itself proved this whatever may have been the weaknesses and the faults of its adversaries the third estate had to struggle terribly to vanquish them and the struggle was so violent and so obstinate that the third estate was shattered to pieces in it and paid right dearly for its triumph it first of all found despotism instead of liberty and when the liberty returned the third estate found itself face to face with a twofold hostility that of its adversaries of the old regimen and that of absolute democracy which in its turn claimed to be everything excessive pretension entails unmanageable opposition and excites unbridled ambition what there was in the words of abbessier in seventeen eighty nine was not the truth as it is in history it was a lying programme of revolution taking the history of france in its totality and in all its phases the third estate has been the most active and most decisive element in french civilization if we follow it in its relations with the general government of the country we see it first of all allied during six centuries with the kingship struggling pauselessly against the feudal aristocracy and giving the prevalence in place of that to a central and unique power pure monarchy to wit closely approximating though with certain often repeated but vain reservations to absolute monarchy but so soon as it has gained this victory and accomplished this revolution the third estate pursues another it attacks this unique power which it had contributed so much to establish and it undertakes a task of changing pure monarchy into constitutional monarchy under whatever aspect we consider it in its two great and so very different enterprises whether we study the progressive formation of french society itself or that of its government the third estate is the most powerful and the most persistent of the forces which have had influence over french civilization not only is this fact novel but it has for france quite a special interest for to make use of an expression which is much abused in our day it is a fact eminently french essentially national nowhere has burgessdom had a destiny so vast so fertile as that which has fallen to it in france there have been commons all over europe in italy in spain in germany in england as well as in france not only have there been commons everywhere but the commons in france are not those which qua commons under that name and in the middle ages have played the greatest part and held the highest place in history 
the italian commons begot glorious republics the german commons became free towns sovereign towns which have their own special history and exercise throughout the general history of germany a great deal of influence the commons of england allied themselves with a portion of the english feudal aristocracy formed with it the preponderating house in the british government and thus played full early a powerful part in the history of their country the french commons under that name and in their season of special activity were certainly far from rising to that importance in politics and that rank in history and yet it is in france that the people of the commons the burgessdom became most completely most powerfully developed and ended by acquiring in the general social body the most decided preponderance there have been commons throughout the whole of europe there has been in truth no third estate victorious save in france it is in the french revolution of seventeen eighty nine assuredly the greatest that the french third estate reached its ultimatum and france is the only country where in an excess of burgess pride a man of great mind could say what is the third estate everything End quote. End of chapter sixty part two